Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Mike Boris and this is Straight Talk. In cricket, it's an individual game for three seconds. Oh, there it is. But you actually can't do anything else without your teammates. Well, Doc, I mean, you're a pretty nervous sort of guy when it comes to going over representing your country. I only get nervous because I care. I care about my teammates and care about my performance, and I love winning. I'll be honest, I've been in tears, I've been upset, I've been hurting. Doing my calf, what, 15 weeks ago now. What was the experience what, what of it? experience? Heartbreak. Throughout my journey, I've realised that there's no point fearing failing. Every time you fail, there's an opportunity to learn. Here we go. Are you prepping yourself for life after cricket? Nathan Lyon, Gary the Goat. Welcome to Straight Talk, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. I don't think Gary the Goat's uh, the right nickname, though, Mark. That's pretty good. You hold greater record, a better record than anybody in recorded history as a as an off-spin bowler, correct? Yeah, correct. So for, for Australia. Oh, it yeah. doesn't matter. In Australia, we don't care about the rest of the world. <laughs> We're only just what it goes on here. So you are Gary the Goat here. And I'd say your teammates probably call you Gary... Do they call you Gary? Yeah, yeah. It's not just some teammates. I think uh, I've got uh, two older daughters, and when they want something, they call me Gary as well. So uh, they've worked it out. <laughs> yeah, they've worked it out quite quite quickly. The best example of when someone is really good at what they do at their profession, their peers anoint them Gary the Goat. So that's mate. That's that's good <laughs> enough for me. You grew up in Young. Grew up in Young. Yep. Relatively close to Canberra. I mean, I don't even know where Young is. I know it's down south from Sydney, but where are we talking about? Uh, yeah, so it's about four hours southwest of Sydney, hour and a half to Canberra. So um, the, we had my brother, older brother, three years older, he was mad Canberra Raiders, and we used to go over for the, all the home games. And when I was about four or five, oh, probably about five, we got into the change rooms and went up and got to meet Mal Meninga. It was probably the highlight. Uh, of getting going down the Raiders games, that's for sure. Was Sticky in the team then? That would have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Laurie, Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, um, Brett Mullins, Malwininger, Brad Clyde. Yeah, Brad Clyde. Yeah. He's to me. I mean, I think he's just one of the most brilliant footballers of all time. He had a lot of injuries, but one of the most brilliant footballers of all time. And and how did you? I mean, you're a kid, obviously, growing up in a country town. Well, it was not quite a country town. It's more a more significant as a as a country town, young. How did you feel about elite sports people like those guys? Idolised them, absolutely idolised them. Um, being being obviously growing up in the country, probably not doing as much schoolwork as what I probably should have when I was a kid. I was absolutely obsessed with playing cricket, kicking the football, playing soccer. Um, I'd play when summer come around. I'd play two games of cricket on Saturday, then play a game of cricket on Sunday. So my whole weekend was full full of sport, uh, even in winter, um, even whether going back and refing junior junior soccer. Um, so any professional athlete that come ever come to young, whether it be rugby league players, cricket players, whatever it may be, absolutely idolised them. What do you think that is? That um, and I'm not sure if it's limited to country kids, but let's just look at country kids for a moment. Why do you think country kids? I don't know about today either, but back then, when you were a kid, 
do idolise professional sports people? Well, I can only talk from my my upbringing. I feel like um, there's no not many distractions out out in Young. Can't really just go to the beach um, or the cinemas. We never had any cinemas when we were growing up out, out in Young. Um, so all we wanted to do was play sport. And being a small family, just mum, dad and an older brother and, and myself, um, it was all sport. And obviously had no phones and no iPads or anything like that to, or Playstations to keep us entertained. It was either do your homework inside or go outside, run around, play cricket in the backyard, play footy, whatever it may be. Ended up being, I don't know, our street at home had, I don't know, probably eight, eight or ten kids playing cricket every pretty well three nights a week on the on the roads out there it's funny you know my my uh i i knew a, well i know i still know a couple of um elite rugby league players and elite cricketers as a matter of fact and uh and i remember one in particular a guy called graham hughes he's a great rugby league player but a great cricketer played for new south wales in both and I, one of the things i remember about him and i wonder know if this sort of happened in your life one of the things i remember about graham is that his dad was always bowling a ball to him at, at the house. So they, and Graham would be in the garage and the dad would bowl it along the driveway up to Graham. And he used to give Graham a cricket stump as a bat. Um, and Graham was always always practising, always. And, uh, and then, of course, he became, you know, played, played for New South Wales, um, both rugby league and cricket. Is that a sort of life? I, I didn't think he was. I never took the view his dad was pushy, but his dad got involved, like really got involved. Is that a thing for elite cricketers? For example, in your case, did your dad really contribute a lot to you playing, as well as playing with your mates out in the street? Uh, not, not just my dad. Um, my dad's the oldest of nine. Wow. So uh, we've got a few uncles and aunties who, um, at Christmas time. When I was a kid growing up, I was always outside playing um, and Dad was very um, willing to come down to the nets and even in the backyard teach Brendan and, Brendan and myself how to how to go about it. But probably one big person would who flies under the radar throughout my whole career has probably been my grandmother. Um, she She's the one who taught, taught, taught us how to catch. Really? She played – she passed away uh, about seven years ago now, but – she played tennis up to when she was 80 and um, even when we were picking up, she picked us up from school every day throughout my whole schooling career, bar a couple of days where mum wasn't working and uh, she'd get the tennis racket out the backyard and be high catches, low catches to the left, to the right. So she, I have to give it to my grandmother. She, she taught me how to catch. That's pretty cool. Oh, it's amazing, amazing. I wouldn't change it now. Um, yeah, I learnt so much from... I don't know, just doing do, doing little things like that in the backyard. What do you got? What do you got in terms of kids now? What, you, what have we got? We've got three. Three, got three kids. Yeah. So, does Nathan return serve to his kids like the like like you you enjoyed your dad coming to the nets and your grandmother doing stuff with you all the time, or do you have or you've had so much sport and particularly cricket in your life? That you go, wow! I, you know, I don't really want my kids to become a sports person. I mean, or is it a function of do the kids want to do it? Um, no, I'm, I'm very much uh, get out the backyard and or down to the dog park or wherever wherever we can, and they're all about trying to catch balls. They see dad catch balls all the time, especially my older two. Um, they my middle one is wanting to play, start and playing cricket, so she's into her first career, uh, first season uh, of um of cricket down and they live two of them live down in canberra and um yeah so she's absolutely obsessed with that but me as a dad it's about doing exactly what my dad did be out the backyard firstly get off ipads <laughs> get get off that and we're going out and we're doing exercise and we're having fun we're running around having running races doing doing catches hand-eye coordination it's well documented you're a pretty nervous sort of guy when it comes to you know going out to represent your country, by the way, I would be too. <laughs> I don't think it's something I'd, I'm not undermining it. Um, do you think, though, that that sort of level of practice helps you mentally cope with things? You know, you can go call, go back and say, you know, I'm, I've got this. I'm, I, everyone gets nervous. But the way you manage it or mediate it, uh, now, look, I've done this all my life. I know what I'm doing. I know how to catch a ball. 
my grandmother used to you know, I know how to a bat, you know, like if you even if you are coming in the, one of the last batsmen, but I know how to bowl. <laughs> um, do you think those things help you mediate or and or manage the level of nervousness? Nervousness we all get adrenaline, flooding, getting flooded with adrenaline before we're about to go into big competition. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like, especially as, as a, a kid learning how to catch, and even with my older two, Harper and Miller, um, we're trying to get them to catch tennis balls because tennis balls are the hardest, hardest balls to catch. Is that right? Um, in my opinion, yeah, because yeah. they bounce. They bounce oh, yeah. out of your hand and they're extremely hard. If you don't catch, have the right technique, you'll, you'll drop it. Um, but on the, on the nerves, um, I only get nervous because I care. I care about my teammates and care about my performance and um, I love winning. So that's that's why I get nervous. Do you get more nervous as a batsman or a bats person or do you get more nervous as a bowler? No, nah, uh, 100% um, more nervous as a batter. Um, you look at the, the first Ashes test um, at Edgebaston, we were chasing 270 and I walked out of the bat um, with 55 runs, runs to get night before I... Alex Carey got dis, uh, dismissed. I said to Josh Hazelwood, I said, are you nervous or is it just me? Because Josh is just a country kid, just laid back. And, and he goes, oh, well, no, well, not expected to do, do it with the bat. But I know I care about the team so much. I'm like, no, nah, I'm nervous because we've got all the Australian public, all the Australian fans who have travelled over the edge, Baston, a pretty hostile crowd, um, and they want you to go out there and win this game of cricket. So... Um, I get nervous because I care and I care so much about my teammates firstly but the team performance and, and winning because I've been given the, the honour honor of leading the team song from Mike Hussey back in 2012 and that's the best thing in my career. I, I honestly believe you get that honour to lead that song to make it extremely special for people who potentially making debut, staff members who don't get the recognition uh, and what they they should, whether that's the medical staff or or the coaches um, or milestones for. Uh, it's been Steve Smith lately throughout my whole career. I've seen to be talking about him the whole time during the lead up into the song. But I know I feel like it's such a massive honour. So that's why I care because I want to win. So caring does that mean? That's a, that's a pretty cool word. Not many sports pe- people would use that word. They mostly would say, you know, I'm a winner and I'm competitive and, uh, um, yeah, that's sort of, or at least that's my my sense of it. I, I don't know what they all say, but I can imagine Dave Warner, he'd be saying, I want to win, I'm a winner, I'm a competitive guy, you know, like oh, I've got to win. Uh, by the way, another Roosters supporter. Um, that's it, there's that's, no more. <laughs> but they're not bad. Not, 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 they're too bloody good creatures. But... When you say you care, do you mean you see these guys in your team, for example, like brothers? I mean, it's, when I say brothers, you know what I mean, like, like real compatriots, like brothers in arms. You're out there, you have a job to do. You're rep- As a team, you're representing the country, not only as an individual, but as a team. Um, you want them all to look to become, and I'm only asking a question, do you want them all look, to look the very best they can be? Is that what you're trying to get out for them? You want them all to come out shining as well as yourself? Yeah, 100% because I feel like uh, in team, it's it's a, in, in, in cricket, there's, it's an in individual game for three seconds in, in the big scheme of things, but you aren't can't, actually can't do anything else without your teammates. And by me talking about caring, I, I get more enjoyment out of seeing my mates have be extremely successful. You ask a question about do I see them as brothers? Yeah, yeah, I, I generally do because we spend so much time away from our families, our loved ones, um, that you get to know these guys inside out. You're always going for dinner. You're always going for breakfast. You knock on the door. You're laying on the same bed, watching a movie, playing PlayStation, playing around of golf. Like we're together all the time, so. Yeah, I generally do do see uh, the guys as your brothers. I know it's pretty cliche and you hear a lot of sports people t- say that, but I get so much more enjoyment seeing Mitch, Mitch Stark come in and take five for all, bowl Rory Burns, first ball of the Ashes, and seeing that enjoyment and that, that they go through. But I know I can also can't win without those guys. So how do you feel when they get criticised? Like, um, 
I love Dave Warner. Like, uh, you know, he's just a yeah, he's just a, a good guy. I like him a lot. And uh, and I don't know him very well. I've met him a couple of times. I don't know him very well, but I just from what I can see. But he gets criticised a lot. The media give him a hard time. And there's expectations, which is fair enough. Media can have expectations and probably have expectations. But how does someone like Nathan Lyon feel when one of his teammates gets criticised? And, and what do you do in those situations? Do you sort of just pretend it hasn't happened? Do you walk up and say, hey, mate, I read the thing, it was pretty shitty? Or I mean, how, how do you go about that? Um, the biggest thing about um, everyone's opinions, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I've got no drama than that. Whether you're a media, whether you're a social keyboard warrior, everyone's got their opinion, that's okay. Um, but within the Australian cricket team, everyone knows what's happening. So the biggest thing when I first started playing cricket it would be – Either your your parents or your brother or um, your uncle or whoever it may be would message you or say, "Oh, did you see what they said in the paper?" And you're like, "No, I'm trying not to read that because that's purely someone else's opinion, who's outside the circle of trust, who's looking in and making a judgment call." Um, But it, it is it is really hard, and I feel as a teammate, all I can do is making sure that I'm supporting them publicly, probably more than anything. Um, so they know that, okay, no, I know he's got my back. And I think that's the biggest thing within playing professional sport. If you know your teammates um, are going out there and they know you, you know that they've got your back when shit happens or you're up, up against the wall, you can, you got someone to put your arm around and say, you know, it's, it's going to be okay if we get back to doing our, our skill set, um, playing on skill and not emotion, then we're going to move, move forward in the right direction. It's funny, I mean, that, and that's in Australian cricket side is a has a reputation as being pretty tough, um, like our rugby league sides and rugby union sides. You know, they're tough, tough lads, like tough together, hard, like sort of quite hard on the outside. In that, it's, it's hard to break in and really upset them, like and, and or rattle them. I mean, everyone gets rattled, but it's hard as a group. You sort of form a group. Um, and I remember Phil Gould once said to me, the rugby league coach, he said to me. He said, Mark, the way when he was coaching the State of Origin, he said, the way I coach the team in terms of if Queensland try to do, pull out one of the players and give them a hard time, he said, my saying is if you pull the cat's tail, you get the whole fucking cat. And there's nothing better than that feeling if you're in an environment where people are attacking you. Is, is the New South Wales, uh, so is the Australian cricket team's uh, mentality that not only are we going to put our arm around you and say it's, it's all good, mate, no, but, but is it sort of go to that level that fuck you, take us on, you're going to get all of us and we're going to come out and we're going to go even harder? Yeah, you know, I, I, I genuinely think it is and I think you can see that um, off the back of the Ashes, if we go to the Ashes um, a couple of months ago at that Lords where all the all the stuff happened, which um, every, like every, when they boys walked off the field I wasn't. I was. I was there, but I was on crutches, so I had a different a view of it. But by the time I got up to the change room after all the guys were being abused um, through everything, the guys were laughing about it. And for me, that was a great sign that all the guys were together. There wasn't anyone sitting in the room saying, "Oh, nah, shit, what's happening?" Type thing. This is like, nah, we're in. We're in this together. We haven't done anything wrong, and we're going to go out there and keep fighting the way that Australia is doing. We're going to go out and win this game. And I feel like you talk about you pull on the cat's tail and you get the whole cat. Davey Warner's that play for for Australia. If if he ser- sees a younger player getting um, sledged or having a hard time with with some other players, he, he's one guy who will stand up there and stand in fight and, and stand in front of it and take it on. Um, and that I played with David for the I don't know, last 13 years and it's been incredible. I think he's the most generous guy I've ever met, but he's been absolutely incredible and Australia's going to miss him when he when he retires, that's for sure. Generous in terms of uh, your spirit, you mean, or and, and emotions? How do you everything, mean? everything. Um, he, he's got this real hard edge on him, but deep down he cares about each and every one of his teammates and... Um, unless you break him down, you probably say say that. But he, he gives this really big good persona off that 
he, he is tough, which he is, but he's got a big, generous heart in him, that's for sure. Can I take uh, Nathan Lyon back to, um, let's say, when you're in your 20s and you're working in South Australia, you're like, a, I don't know, looking after the grounds or something like that. Yeah, well, I'll take you back a little bit further. When I was 18, I left, um, finished school um, and I moved straight over to Canberra to um, chase my cricket dream. I wanted to play first-class cricket and that was my stepping stone because even before that, when I was 15, I got told by a New South Wales staff at, at New South Wales Cricket that um, if I wanted to play first-class cricket, I had to leave home and move up to Sydney, otherwise you weren't going to make it. And to tell a 15-year-old who lives at home who's 7,000 people is the population, takes him two minutes to get to school that I had to come live in Sydney, go to school here. It didn't sit well with me. Um, so Canberra became my avenue to um, hopefully to play first-class cricket. And anyway, so I moved over to Canberra um, and I was unemployed for two days. Um, and I had a phone call from Andrew Dawson, my ACT cricket coach at the time there, and uh, he said, um, there's an apprenticeship at Monica Oval. Would you like to take it? I said, oh, okay, I'll let me have a think. And um, anyway, my dad's my sounding board. Um, so I called Dad and I said, Dad, I've been offered a curating job at Monica. He goes, what are your thoughts? And I said, well, I don't really know if I want to take it because as a cricketer, if you don't get runs, you're just playing the wicket. And if you don't get take wickets, you're playing, playing the wicket as well. So I don't want to be that one one getting blamed for making poor pitches or flat pitches or whatnot. And Dad said, you're absolutely stupid. You're ridiculous. You're unemployed. For, take the job. So I called back up and Andrew, I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to take the job. Started Monday, fell in love with it by Monday afternoon. And it wasn't until um, I did all my apprenticeship there and, and about three and a half years into it, a guy called Ashley Ross, who was a former ACT coach as well that I played under, who was living in Adelaide and said, um, Adelaide, we need an off-spin bowler, but we also need a fully qualified curator. Les Bidette, the head curator at the time, retired. So the stars were kind of aligning for me. And anyway, I flew down to Adelaide uh, one day in, what, 2010, um, mid-year, Walked into the office and the head curator, who's there now, still now, Damien Hoff, who I'm very good friends with, um, he said, no, nah, you've got the job. you got the job. So you move down and you start next week. So I had to basically move everything up and drive down to Adelaide. And, and yeah, I was – Mark Sorrell at the time was the head coach and Damien Hoff, the head curator, went up to him and said, look, I don't want another cricketer. I want someone who's going to be committed to work and want to work Saturdays, take a lot of pride in their work and really I want this to work for long term. And Mark Sorrell um, said, yep, yeah, I've seen him play. Yep, yeah, he'll come bowl at lunchtime and he'll try his hardest, but no, he'll be a curator. Don't worry about that. So thankfully, sorry, Mark, but thankfully he got sacked. <laughs> um, then, um, So I only worked for in Adelaide for, for three and a half months before I got my first state call up into the Big Bash. What was it like being down there watching blokes that you looked up to in Adelaide? Um, I thought it was incredible. Um, that was my first ever test match. So the 2010 Ashes test match against England down at Adelaide Oval. You bought, did, is, is it that match you, you, your first ball? You no. got a wicket? No, 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 this is – I was working still. I was still working? Still working and I was amazed by it. That was my first ever test match I've ever been live. Never, as a kid, never went to any test match live. Oh, you went to – you meant you, you yeah, attended was, yeah, a test match? Yeah, just, feeling, just sitting, sitting on the roller, yep. watching the guys wow. play on the ground that you help create. Um, and the way I look at green, green keeping curating, it's a form of art in my eyes. You've got to take a lot of pride in it, in, in performing, making sure that the, the facilities are up to scratch. You nearly reach out and touch them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I had Kevin Peterson actually sledge me when I was uh, running the covers on because he thought we were trying to delay the game. But all as curators, all we wanted to do was make sure that wicket didn't get wet and that we're doing our job. Doing and he told me politely where to go. Um, but I didn't really take much notice of that. I was doing my job. Can you, can you take me now forward to the first time you represented your country? So it's only about nine months later. So it's a fast... 
fast track. ride, yeah, 100%. fast ride this one. And um, before I actually got um, over to Sri Lanka, I got told in a pretty unique way. Had my coach at the time, Darren Berry, called me at eleven o'clock on a Saturday night, um, and I'm like, "What's wrong?" Like I didn't answer it because I was in bed, and I was like, "So then I was up for the next hour, going, have I done something wrong on Twitter, Instagram? Why my coach called me at eleven o'clock?" And then the voice message just said, oh, can you call me ASAP when you wake up? So I called him at 7.30. He goes, right, can I meet you at the, the local cafe at 8 o'clock in the morning in Adelaide? I said, yeah, okay. Is everything okay? And I could just see you there. So I got down there and he goes, oh, I just wanted to be the first one to tell you you're going to be picked in the test team. And I said, ah, bullshit, Chuck. There's no way this is happening. I'm looking for candid cameras around, making nah. sure that someone's not trying to take the piss. And he goes, no, nah, I just want to be, be the one to tell you. Uh, it's getting named tomorrow and um, you're going over to, to Sri Lanka. Um, but then he goes, oh, for the next 24 hours you can't tell anyone because it's you can't get it out in the media that you're getting picked because it's going to be a big story. So I couldn't believe. Firstly, he told me I was going to be on my first Australian tour, but then he told me I couldn't uh, couldn't tell anyone. So Did you ring your dad? Yeah, so I ended up ringing dad <laughs> and dad dad's words were, um, oh, yeah, let's just – don't get too excited. It's nothing's happened yet. So just and then hung up and then, but then that all happened. Then I got a text message from Michael Clark saying, "G'day, youngster. Um, nice to meet you and looking forward to having you over in Sri Lanka." And it's like, okay, this is getting real now. And then suddenly, a big kit bag with all my clothes t- turned up. And wow. so then I just sat in the lounge in basically on my plain whites, just just dreaming. Um, about it, but then, yeah, jumped on a plane and went to Sri Lanka, which was um, pretty amazing. Then received my baggy green off Greg Chapel. Help me out. Was that played in Gaul or, or Gaul? In, uh, yeah, playing Gaul. Yeah, so two thousand eleven. Great little town or city, whatever you call it, uh, down from Colombo. It's a bit of a tra- uh, not that easy to get to in terms of transport. Um, must have been a bit of a eye opener for you to sort of arrive in a place like Sri Lanka. Like it's you know like it's one thing to play cricket there against Sri Lankan to get that bit. But the place itself, you hadn't, you're hadn't. you a country kid. You probably hadn't travelled a lot at that stage. No, nah, that was my third, third trip overseas. And that, that would have been a bit of an eye-opener for you, going from Colombo, or just being in Colombo for a second when you when you first land. I don't know if you stayed overnight, but then you would have had to go down to Gorb, and that's a bit of a mission in terms of travelling. Um, was that in any way overwhelming to you? Yeah, bloody oath. Yeah, um, I can imagine it would because I've done it myself and it was a bit overwhelming for me and I was a lot older than you were when you went there. This is a country kid and I was 23 at the time. Um, I remember flying in and, and just the amount of tuk-tuks everywhere, the um, amount of people on the roads. Um, literally takes when I, where I grew up. took me five minutes to get around across the town at one edge to the other edge and now I'm driving around in the middle of Colombo and... And down to um, Gore, which with the amazing fort there, and yeah, it, I know I've got to pinch. I've still got to pinch myself to, to think about the journey that I've been fortunate enough to be on. That's for sure. Do you remember your first ball? First I'll never, ball. I'll never forget that. Never forget that. Um, so Greg Chapel presented me my hat, and I thought that was the best thing that's ever happened. Um, as a kid with my brother. My uncle's dad, we all dreamt of playing cricket for Australia. So I, I remember getting my baggy green and uh, off um, Greg Chapel and then sitting on the bus on the way home and I just sent a message to my family saying, finally got our baggy green. And that's been um, the, the message throughout the whole family, I guess. Um, so I'll never forget that. But then day, we batted all day one. Um, then I remember going up to day two and Michael Clark coming up to me at drink saying, right, youngster, you ready to go? And a few, few deep breaths. Um, the Ricky Pony come over and just told me to back my skill, tapped me on the backside. Then Mike Hussey just come up and said, mate, you just got to smile. I said, what do you mean? I'm shit nervous. What do you, what do you mean smile? And he goes, as soon as you smile, you'll go back to, to what you know best. And to stand at the top of my mark, look around and – Look who I'm playing with. It's pretty amazing. But then to bowl to bowl a ball and be fortunate enough to dismiss one of the all time great batters in Kumar Sengakara, it's uh yeah, 
getting goosebumps now talking about it. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> was it was it televised? Yeah. So so your your family would have been watching, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So mum mum and dad were still out and young, and I remember calling dad um, the day before, and I said, Dad, I'm going to play. I'm playing tomorrow. I'm not just picked in the group, but I'm now playing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, yeah, and Dad was working out the back of Tamora, which is about 30 minutes west of Young, and uh, said, Dad, I'm playing. And Dad's simple words were, oh, that's good, at least you'll play one game and hung up. <laughs> so I've since found out that he was too emotional to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't want to so that he, he was getting emotional to, um, to me, but uh, but then they, Mum and Dad made the journey over to the second test. So, oh really? Yeah, to Candy. So, so that, that, but in that game, um, you not only took your in your first ball a wicket, but what happened for in terms of the record or not the record? But how well did you bowl for the whole the whole game? Um, took my ever first ever five for, um, yeah. which was pretty pretty amazing, and we went on went on to win that game. And I remember Mike Arcee leading the team song up at um, the fort, on top of the fort. So we jumped in the bus and all having a few beers and I've never witnessed anything like it before. And I'll never forget that moment of singing, singing the first team song uh, on top of the fort. It was extremely special. Arm in arm with Ricky Ponning and Michael Clark and Shane Watson and Brad Harden, Mitchell Johnson, Ryan Harris, Phil Hughes, Usman Khawaja. And uh, having Mike Hussey in the middle, it's yeah, pretty special. So would you, you and uh, Quaj, you've probably been around about the same length of time. If you, you might have started a bit earlier than you. Uh, Uzi debuted the test before me. Right. So if it, sort of around about the same time. Mm. You're both sort of long-termers. Uh, yeah. 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 So I want to just fast forward a little bit because I know that – well, I don't know, but I want to ask you about preparation as an individual. And I know you've got, you've now got this – um. Um, new business, whether it's a business or not, but it's definitely a platform. It's called Goated, G-O-A-T-D, G-O-A-T-D. Mm. and um, you're um, showcasing lots of different sports people on there and um, where people can sort of go in there and uh, interact. Uh, fans can go in there and interact with those individuals. And uh, I know I've been looking at your Instagram and um, a couple of things I, I see you talk about is get an inside look about how people prepare prepare for games, in, in your case, career, but in their case, it could be, you know, football or rugby league, whatever it is. Um, I want to ask you a question about preparation because it's, it's one thing to say, you know, I went in my first ball and I'm, I'm bowled the bloke out and et cetera. But obviously there's a lot more ghost and a lot more to it. It's like it's all the preparation that goes into it. How does Nathan Lyon or how do you view preparation for a start and I mean, it's not like Shane Warne be walking around with Siggy's hanging out and whatever. He, he's he always come across to me as someone who didn't really prepare that well, but just supernatural. He could just do whatever he wanted. But how does Nathan Lyon do uh, approach this uh, preparation? It, it's it's a good question. Um, for me, preparation is the nuts and bolts of everything. Um, when when you're preparing, you're preparing firstly to get better as as a cricketer. For me, in my because um, I've never met anyone to conquer the game of cricket and I don't think I'll ever will. And I've played against some of the greats of the game. What does uh, that mean, conquer the game? I'll, I'll never meant like there's three areas 
um, where you can be the best in business, best in the world in three different areas. And I've never met anyone, the po- closest person for me to to conquer the game in all three areas would have to be Jacques Callis. But then yeah. also you can throw the mental side of the game in there as well and to be resilient and to um, perform under pressure and all that stuff. Um, but preparation for me, um, it's it, it guides you to having success. Um, so for me, it's all about making sure that I'm trying to get better each and every day. Um, I didn't, at the start of my career, I didn't know what preparation was. I thought it was go down and bowl 10 overs, um, then hit 50 balls and catch 20 balls and done. But now playing 122 test matches, over 200 first-class games or what I now realise that your preparation is so much more than that. It's the way you look after your body. It's uh, the fitness, uh, the mental strength that you focus on, um, the planning that you go into. The skills speak for our own. You're always looking to try and get better with your skill set. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's a preparation is absolutely the nuts and bolts and it provides you to have that success and when you have that success you shouldn't be surprised by it if you know you've done the work in the training your preparation and everything else at what point did you realize it now no from now on it has to be the natural talent plus preparation in other words training and not only just training but how i treat myself how i eat nutrition sleep what my social environment is like um, I think there's a part of growth that goes into that, but one one moment that just really stands out on top of my head would be um, we're in Trinidad Tobago, um, and I would have been about ten Test matches in, and Justin Langer was the assistant coach at the time. He was the batting coach, and he sent me a message um, and said, "Guys, can you just come to my room? I've got something for you." And, um, so I went and sat on his edge of his bed um, and sat there, and he's just like, "Right, okay, you've played ten Test matches now." Now we're expecting you to win win games of cricket, win win for Australia. Yeah, win win games of cricket for Australia. So that was wow. a bit of a um, smack in the face to say, right, okay, waking up, wake up here, like this is a real business, and this is now up to you to go, go and but become great, and don't be afraid of becoming great. Um, so that was one big moment where I was, went, okay, yep. So how do I do that? So then I watched. Ricky Ponning, I watched Mike Hussey, I watched Michael Clark, watched Brad Haddon, how they prepare, what are they doing different, what are they doing that I'm not doing. And I'm, I'm a massive believer that your colleagues, um, whether it's in the workforce or, or the guys you play professional sport with, they're your best coaches. They're the best people to learn off. They're the best ones to ask questions off. And for the next I know a little bit. I probably annoyed the Christ out of Ricky Ponning and Mike Hussey, especially those two. But I feel like those those two individuals were oh, the greats of the game in international cricket, just not Australian cricket, and allowed me to learn so much and allowed me to uh, hopefully follow in their footsteps to hopefully one day become great. Was it like business-like? Like, did you write stuff down? Did you then practice things and put it into some sort of program? Um, no, I... I can't sit here and especially talk to you about business. <laughs> um, well, you're I, in the business of cricket. <laughs> yeah, in the business of cricket. But um, no, I I definitely didn't think it was a business mindset. Was, for me, it was about just a professional sportsman. Like, okay, these guys have fun after each test, but what they're doing before the test and the night of the games, the morning of the games, whatever it is, what are they doing different to everyone else in the world? Um, so... That's the way I learnt, um, and it probably it probably took me a good four to five, probably six years to really find out what my routine looks like. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to Sydney from Adelaide in 2013 that I got working with um, Tom Carter, who is uh, my personal trainer, who I do a lot of work with uh, away from. Um, behind the closed doors, I guess, and out of the eye of Cricket Australia and Cricket New South Wales um, and understanding that there is a lot of hard work that goes into it and and you look at the way Ponting and Hussey went about it and that's one big thing I 
took from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. So, so you you sort of, I guess, you retained an expert in sports, um, sports training or, or or specific sports training training for your sport, and that means like certain gym sessions, certain maybe running. I don't know what, what you did or yeah, some sort of. Well, it's all on go to so you can jump on and have a look. I go and have a look. <laughs> Was there science around it? Like, with this guy have um, studied. You know, the science of being able to um, be strong around the hips if that's what you need to be in terms of being yep. a spin bowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tom, Tom's background, he's uh, currently the head of Rugby Sevens uh, in the fitness stuff. He played Rugby Union for, I think, around 15 years professionally for New South Wales Waratahs. He's done a number of degrees. I'm not going to try and rattle him off and do him disjustice. But um, so I moved to Sydney, sat down off the back of advice from Brad Haddon um, to really get meet with Tom. Um, and another, he's actually from Young as well. He's five years older than me, so I didn't um, didn't come across him when I was down there. But So I sat down with Tom and he, he said, right, what do you want to do? And I said, well, look, I want to get fit. I want to be explosive in the field. I want to be really springy and really strong at the crease. They're the three things for me. He goes, right, okay, we need to do core strength, hip mobility um, and leg strength. So they're the big things that I concentrate even today. I'll go home this afternoon. I've already done a gym session this morning with New South Wales and I'll do another PT at, at my home um, here in Sydney and with Tom will come over and I'll do a lot of lot of training with him this afternoon. We'll do it again tomorrow. Do it probably around five five days out of a week when uh, when we're both in the same team, uh, same country or same city. Um, and if not, we we zoom now that um, the world's evolving and online. Um, your access to it is is it's right there at your fingertips. So uh, constant working behind the scenes. Can I ask you what you mean by strong at the crease? I mean, obviously, it's related to batting, but like strong at the crease means what? I mean, what do you? It's just in my action. So you if mean I'm, as you hit the ball or no, as you no, stand? when I'm bowling. When I'm bowling. Oh, this is for bowling. Yeah. yeah. So this is when you're coming towards. Yeah. The, so when the, I hit the crease and I'm yeah. strong at the crease, it allows me to put more revs on the ball to hopefully get more spin on the ball. And, and, and is that in your feet? Are you talking about, is, is this starts about. Starts at your feet, yeah. Starts in your feet. In my opinion, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and when you say springy, springy in terms of uh, when you're batting or when you're no, fielding? No, in the field. In, in the, the fielding. Being able to move laterally. Um, and at hope, speed, yeah, and hopefully your calf stays together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes they they don't. Yeah. Sometimes they explode. Yeah, but um, yeah. So it was about springy being explosive as well, and being being the difference in the field, and and fielding off my own bowling is a big big key for me. So, and as you've gotten older, do you feel as though you have to spend more time on that prep stuff? That that because when you're younger, you sort of can rely on everything being okay. Usually most things work for you um, but as you get older sometimes you know things yeah. don't respond the way you want them to respond yeah definitely uh, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm learning that now well you did learn it this year that's for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> and um, doing my calf what 15 weeks ago now um, it's, it's it's been my first injury in my first one First ever injury in 13 years, so I've been very, very wow. lucky, very fortunate and extremely grateful for that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the work that I've done with Tom, um, making me quite resilient and being a, I think being a country kid also does that as well. What, how do you mean? Because being a country, a country kid, kid, yeah. How well, does that sort of make you a bit more resilient or at least um, not as vulnerable? Well, I feel like um, in, in different ways. In different ways, certainly. I, I grew up in the country playing against men at a young age. Um, my first first grade again against men was I was twelve. Wow! So, so I was twelve playing playing against men, and I remember Mum saying to Dad, saying, "Oh, they've got to slow down for him. They've got to slow down for him." And, and Dad just turned around and said, "If he wants to play, he's got to play. They're not going to take it easy on him." So. Um, I feel like that's part of my resilience, um, but also, I don't know working at Monica Oval, lifting moles on the land, on the back of the trucks and doing all that stuff that I don't know probably helped with a little bit of resilience in, in strength wise as well. But um, I don't know I'm very grateful for the journey that I've been on uh, with it all. So all in all, pretty happy. Do you think country kids, generally speaking, are fairly resilient? Yeah. I do honestly do, um, and especially when I was growing growing up. Like as I said before, we didn't have any of those distractions, and but I was also working 
going to work with Deb, work with with the Department of Ag, Agriculture, and I was either on the back of a tractor or walking by the side of a header, getting off wheat bags at the ages of fifteen and above. So, like, I feel like the work ethic coming from a country kid um, definitely provided me that but also when I first started work I was on five dollars thirty five an hour so I, I know I know the, the value of money yeah I know the value of money but also the effort that goes into that as well so, so uh, would you say that being a country kid might have given you mental resilience too because I mean we haven't really talked about the mental side of things but talking about the physical side of things what about mental resilience I mean because you know especially if we're getting bashed as a country you know we're, we're not going so good and, and then everyone's relying on Nathan to come and do some magic for them, both um, batting and bowling um, and fielding. Um, how how do you prep for your mental strength for a day, for a game, um, not a day for, for the game? Well, throughout my journey, I've, I've realised that you, there's no point fearing failing. So you don't fear failure? No. I feel like every time you fail, there's an opportunity to learn. But the big thing is you can't make a mistake three, four, five times over. I'll give you a chance to make a mistake a couple of times. But if you need to learn each each time you learn um, each time you fail. So no, I don't fear failing. So when you're when you're bowling against let's call it a famous batsman, what's the mental game like? I mean, are you is it just your skill against his skill skill or is it the mental game as well? No, there's a mental game. Cricket, in my eyes, is a is a problem solving game. Um, I stand at the top of my top at my mark, and I look at you bowling to you, and you're creating creating a problem for me. So I need to solve that problem quicker than what you are trying to solve my problem. Um, so if I can solve that problem, remove you, then I can move on to the next, like a checkers board, I guess. Yeah, but do you actually – do you think about the night before, for example, do you go and do video sessions oh, yeah. on the, who the yeah. batsman might be? Yeah, there's plenty of planning going on and we're very lucky with the, the level of cricket that I've been fortunate enough to play. We've got all the tools at our, at our I don't know, fingertips and we've got an analyst giving us tips and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it comes down for you to sit down and have conversations with your coaches – um, with your captains and making sure that we're very well planned. When we come out there, we know what we're doing and that we can try and solve that problem quicker than quick, quicker than before. So, are you getting? Do you guys get instructions from from your coach or coaching group um, during the game? And they saying, "Look, we're noticing this about where the dude's standing. You know, maybe you can put the ball a little bit wider or whatever. Look, deliver it a bit quicker. Whatever the case may be." Yeah, there's there's opportunities for those discussions. Um, or but, is that done by you? Oh, that's done by a few of us. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, as a bowler, you, you you're controlling the game, and things don't happen until you want it to happen. If you if that makes sense, as in, at my pace, I can re- release when I when I'm ready, I release the ball. But there's really conversations. Steve Smith's very good having conversations about tactical, tactically on on different things. The way he sees the game is probably a lot different to a lot of people. Um, being the quality of cricketer that he is. Um, but, yeah, there's opportunities to have those conversations with the coaches as well. I want to talk about your calf. And, you got, I mean, people can't see this, but he's, got, he's quite a thick-legged guy, um, Nathan. <laughs> is. He's, got, he's, he's, he's built and he's, both calves, look, they look all right to me, um, but he, you've got big calves. So what happened? Tell me what, what, what you experienced when it happened. Uh, we know what happened, but what was the experience? What, what an experience? Heartbreak. But just go right back to the, when you felt it. What? Um, yeah, I actually heard it go. Um, so I was fielding at Lords at Deep Square Leg. To um, Cameron Green was bowling to Ben Duckett, and Ben Duckett hit hit a ball out there, and I thought I'd be able to get there, and I just simply went to take off, and I've um, yeah, exp- the, the gas drop, the muscle. There's two two mu- two muscles in the calf. Yep. Um, the gas drop, I basically ex- exploded. Um, heard it so go. It broke. Yeah, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did I did it snap a, up into your up, up behind your leg? No, nah, not quite. I was, it did a uh, grade three tear, four centimeter tear with an eighteen centimeter bleed. Whoa! So yeah, I was, but yeah, you know, I heard it go, and I, I reckon also felt my heart sink quite quickly as well. When it happened, did you think 
to yourself, shit, there's some things I could have done. Like, did you get be hard on yourself? Are you are you tough on yourself? Um, yeah, yeah, pro- yeah, probably. I think you got to be at that level. So, did you think to yourself, shit, I didn't prepare something? Oh, I think I got the fine fine comb out and went through everything, um, and wondering could I done anything different. But all in all, I feel like my preparation was the same for that, and that game was my hundredth consecutive test in a row. Um, so that's something that I was very proud about and there was a lot of talk about me being resilient and et cetera. Then in that game, your yeah, yeah, calf goes, but my prep was exactly the same. The work ethic was exactly the same. Nothing changed. Um, but we do wear GPS every every game and I played two games before that game and going off the GPS numbers, my workload spiked a In fair terms bit. of distance. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered first game. I think I covered around forty-eight kilometers. Whoa! Then the second game was around fifty-two. Serious? Yeah. So what? there's decent numbers there. And uh, wow! And so, given what happened, how did, ha, have you now? Do you now approach your preparation differently? Yeah, yeah. I've had overall just in relation to your your calf. No, I think overall. Yeah. Overall. So what's the change? Um, I haven't had alcohol in sixteen weeks. Um, um, but do, do you think those, as you get older, I think they probably do contribute to um, things not being as strong. But do you think that's the case, or is it? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do think that's the case. Now, um, I feel like um, more effort's gone into making sure that I'm looking after myself. Um, recovery's going um, probably better than what it has been in the past. I probably have taken it a little bit granted that I've been. Uh, injury free until this moment um, so a big focus has been on my rehab um, and making sure that my recovery is going well and I'm doing all the right stuff in the gym and trying to get better each and every day and all that stuff so right now my the calf muscle testing that they do and all the fitness testings they're, they're stronger than before so that's a positive thing because I've said to myself that and said it to my wife and Tom Carter, my personal trainer, they want to rehab this calf injury like no one's ever rehabbed before. I know that sounds funny, but I'm paranoid about being a recurrence. Do you uh, then become obsessed about it? Like, Yeah, like I that? think I am. Yeah. I, I think I'm getting there. Like overdo it, I'm not overdo it, but just train extra or whatever your exercises are you got to do for the rehab. Uh, I don't think I'm getting obsessed with that. I'm, I think I'm getting obsessed with ensuring recovery and um, warm-up. Um, I'm now getting to the ground oh, probably about an hour and a half and not an hour before anyone else um, in my last Shield game and and just in making sure that my preparation is on point and I'm not missing anything, not, not skipping any hurdles or anything like that. Now can you just uh, clear one thing up now for sure? Um, um, uh, Nathan Lyons not retiring with uh, Dave Warner at the end of this year. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> and your wife, you made it clear with your wife that yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it until it came back on Channel Seven. But yeah, I'm definitely not retiring. You're definitely not retiring. And I, I, I in the interest of that, I, I can't go past this because I do need to talk to you about it. So the uh, goated, um, uh, as I said earlier, right at the very beginning, um, are you prepping yourself for? Life after cricket, and is is the the GOATD platform? Is that part of that process, um, or is it more a giving back process? I think it's a bit of a both, but I think it's probably more eighty percent of giving back because it started around the dinner table with my father-in-law Mike um, and my wife Emma, and we'll we're talking about there's a story that goes along that um when i was in young as a kid we drove over to canberra to watch the shield game um and there was some test players playing in the new south wales team and we walked around the fence and mum and dad let us walk around the fence so they could still see our little heads above the fence and in the australian hats and we just waited for this um player signature and he said i'll do it at the end of the day and so we waited the whole day um then he went in the change rooms, coming out of the change room, walked straight to his car and he said, I'll do it tomorrow. And I was in tears. I was like, You'd be gutted. Yeah, I was because we weren't coming back tomorrow. We are in the car for an hour and a half back home and and um, that that's always stuck with me, um, that we're role models in so many different ways um, as professional athletes and 
if I can make an impact on someone, some kid or some fan's life to make have that, I don't know, two minutes of my day out, out, out of the way to make their day, then I'll do that. So this is where Goaded's been born. Um, and the amount of messages I get on Instagram and Twitter asking for advice on how to bowl off breaks, it's, it's incredible. And I'd love to be able to give back and reply to everyone, but I'll sit down and reply to five of them and there's another 15 in there. Um, so this so they're is, the kid who's um, heartbroken because you've gone home. Yeah, but this is why I'm doing Goated. So on Goated is, is basically my whole preparation, my whole blueprint into the way I believe that I need to go about off-break bowling and that's giving access to so many fans, kids to inspire them to go out and chase their dreams um, and it's just not cricket either we've got Kaya Simons on there who's played 111 games for the Matildas it was a part of that incredible World Cup out here and unfortunately she did a calf um, so we can hear about that but then we've got James Tedesco coming on board as well so we're going to get a different insight into so many different athletes and the platform is simply to give back to the game that's given me so much and hopefully inspire young boys and girls to, I don't know, build a little community on, on the goaded platform and really, I don't know, see where the community can take us. And I'm really passionate about it. I love it. Um, I cop a lot of shit for it, but it doesn't worry me. I'm, I'm all, all, all in it. I think it's a good idea because um, yeah, there might be a thousand kids who want advice from me on something, some aspect. But instead of trying to talk to a thousand kids, individually you talk to you talk once maybe or do 10 little talks that can be distributed amongst tens of thousands of kids if they want to go onto the platform that mathematically it makes a lot of sense yeah it's not just paying forward but it's also being efficient and and the same would go for women's football and goes for rugby league as well i mean i'm sure I mean, teddy tedesco is like he was one of the maddest prep guys you know, i mean i know from the roosters set up but he is really fanatical about how he prepares himself, particularly trying to be injury, trying to keep himself injury free as, as as you get older, as you get on in the game, and you've run so many you know thousands of kilometres for in the game. That makes sense to me. And uh, young people, I think they really appreciate that stuff. So I think the goated idea makes sense. Is it? Can you turn it into a? Because it takes time, and there's going to be people helping you, and you have to pay money. I mean, it costs money to you. I mean, you, right now you're getting paid from cricket. You know, it's probably you probably get paid fairly well, so it's probably not such a big deal. But at some stage, have you thought about how you might turn that into a business? If you don't, you know, in other words, where people have to pay something, a small amount, whatever, just to pay just to cover the costs of running this. So it's pretty idealistic, running this idealistic program. Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, it's um, I've got two hundred. 230, 240 minutes of, of footage um, film. So sitting down with a sports psych, um, batting, bowling coaches, um, fitness coaches, and even sitting down with a former teammate as well to, just to talk. And it's only $23.95, I think it is. And so it's 10 cents a minute. Um, and But like for me, it's at the moment, I'd love to turn it into a, a big business and really get a lot of athletes who want to give back to the game. But the, the key is that the athletes want to give back. Like there's no point coming on if you don't want to give back and inspire young boys and girls to play play their game and chase their dreams. So, yeah, I'd ideally love to turn it into a big business. Um, but for me, it's about right now, it's giving back. I was only in Melbourne yesterday and we've, we've given out 200 passes to school kids so they can go, to, go out there and... and um, Next week, I'm giving out 270 more to rural, rural New South Wales. What, to come to clinics or, or passes, no, passes to go, passes go on, onto the on, website? Onto, onto the GoTo website. So yeah, is can, it app-based or is it website? Uh, it's website. At this stage? Um, at this stage. And you just jump on, whack your email in, and um, the way, way you go, uh, you get, there's 33 minutes, but then you can buy the Season 1 pass, and it's $23, um, I think it is. And But, like, I'm... I'm here to give back and inspire young boys, and that's so. I'm so passionate about it. It's, um, I just want to make kids realise that their dream is reachable because my my story, it's my journey. It's it hasn't been the normal way that you go. I didn't play 
New South Wales 17s, 19s, Australian 19s into New South Wales. I, I went a different way and just because you're out in the country, kids, doesn't mean you can't chase your dream of playing for the Sydney Roosters or playing for the Matildas or playing cricket for Australia or whatever sport it may be that you're passionate about. There's so many different avenues that you can get to where you want to get to. Well, Nathan Lyon, thanks actually for giving me the opportunity to actually really understand why your, why your peers call you Gary the Goat. I'm <laughs> not sure about that. You are, mate. Thank you, mate. really appreciate that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.